Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. Today's message is called Activating the Anointing. You want to be a giant killer and a dragon slayer? You better know how to access and activate the anointing that God has upon your life. So that's what we're going to talk about today. 1 Samuel chapter 16 is where we're going to begin. In the story again of David, verse 13, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed David in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon or rested upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. But the Spirit of the Lord departed from King Saul, and a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servant said to him, Surely a distressing spirit from God is troubling you. And Saul said, Don't call me Shirley. It's my joke. Anyway, seeing if you're awake. Surely a distressing spirit from God is troubling you. Let our master now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is a skillful player on the harp. And it shall be that he will play it with his hand when the distressing spirit from God is upon you, and you shall be well. So Saul said to his servants, provide me now a man who can play well. Bring him to me. Then one of the servants answered and said, look, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a handsome person, and the Lord is with him. Therefore, Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son David, who's with the sheep. And Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine and a young goat and sent them by his son David to Saul. So David came to Saul and stood before him and he loved him greatly and he became his armor bearer. Let's pray together one more time. God, would you open the eyes of our heart, whether we're in this room or whether we're in homes or places or cars or wherever we are watching, listening to this message, God, would you let our hearts have understanding and be sharpened today to embrace your will, to embrace your word in Jesus' name, amen. Last week was exciting, wasn't it? We had our groundbreaking for the legacy building. A lot of things are happening behind the scenes, the drawings from the uh, architectural firm, Donahue Architects. Uh, John is working on that, and that's going forward. We're two or three weeks away from the actual plans and all the things coming together. The construction contractor is, has been bidding everything out. We're, working, we're uh, shopping banks this week uh, afresh and going to them. A lot of great things are happening, and we're just, uh, we'll give you, keep you posted as things start to come into focus. Last week began a new and exciting theme. Every human being has different strengths and weaknesses. The enemy loves to distract or divert you from your strengths to neutralize you and exploit your weaknesses and turn those weaknesses into obsessions or addictions. We showed you last week from Scripture that Goliath's taunting of Israel was about one thing, who will you serve? Who will you and your family serve? 
And that's the Goliath issue for you today. Whatever you're dealing with in your life, whatever has attacked your family, whatever has been the, the, the mountain you keep going around or the problem that keeps trying to come back or the thing that keeps hitting from generation to generation, whatever those giants are, whatever those dragons are that need to be slain, you better recognize what those giants are and know that they're not just about you. It's not just about your freedom, your personal victory. It's about your family. It's about your freedom. Because the enemy wants to bind you, tie you down, lock you up, and have you serve him so you can't fully serve the Lord. And that's the issue when we talk about giant killers. I'm not talking about just, you know, having personal victory over a problem. How can you and I become the giant killers we were born to be? Submitted to godly authority, we said last week, and seeing the big picture of what God is trying to do now. As we move forward today, after Samuel anointed young David to be the next king of Israel, nothing much happened. The immediate thing is the Bible says that Saul, or that Samuel came, anointed David, and then went back to his home in Ramah. And David went back to keeping his daddy's sheep. The difference was the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and the Spirit of the Lord departed from King Saul. The anointing shifted, but Saul was still in his position, and David was still in his. So there had to be some kind of God moments to get this whole thing to shift. Remember we talked about the hallway a couple weeks ago, the hallway between the doors. Samuel went home, but the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. The miracle working dunamis power of God was on David from that moment. And I want to say this to you, giant killers don't settle for normal. Hear a lot of people saying, boy, I wish, when are we going to get back to normal, pastor? Never. Well, why? Because we were so comfortable and normal that we lost our fire. We lost our passion. We lost our meaning. We lost the, the seeking of God, the going after more of the Lord. Giant killers don't settle for normal. Normal is overrated. When God makes his mark on your life like he did David's, nothing is supposed to ever be the same. When my wife and I got filled with the Holy Spirit in 1986, we were nice, mild-mannered Presbyterians. I was an insurance agent. We, she was taking care of the kids. We were, we were working. We were, we were busting our butt as 20-somethings just trying to make a, make a living, let alone make a life. But when we got filled with the Holy Spirit, something shifted more than just a prayer language, more than just new gifts and new talents and abilities. Something happened where the Spirit of God came upon us and our lives began to change. We began to see our lives in service to God. Sometimes the next step for a giant killer is something that people don't want to hear about, which is called waiting. Isaiah 40, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength while they're waiting. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, they shall walk and not faint. You can go back to work, you can go back to school, you can go back home, 
You can go back to your, you know, attending a football game or whatever is normal for you. But I'm just telling you, if normal means going back into passive, lazy, lethargic existence, then why be normal? Why are we striving for normal when it wasn't all that was cracked up to be? It was comfortable. But God never promised us comfort. I submit to you that most of David's mistakes in life came from his desire for comfort and normalcy throughout his life. Physical and emotional tiredness always lead to vulnerability. 2 Samuel 11 verse 1 says this, later on in David as he became king, says, it happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle. What do kings do? They go out to battle in the spring. That David sent Joab and his servants with him in all Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. David remained at Jerusalem. Say, David stayed home. David was craving normal. I just want to stay home. I'm tired. I need to just stay home. But it was the season where God had kings going out to fight battles, and he sent somebody. He sent Joab in his place. But David remained at Jerusalem, the end of verse 1 says, and verse 2 says, then it happened. What? One evening that David arose from his bed, walked on the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful to behold. My friends, be careful when you're not in the season of God. David was a man after God's own heart but he still clicked on the wrong website because he was bored. Boredom is one of our greatest enemies and we don't realize it. Christians don't do well when they're bored. And when you're bored, it doesn't mean that God isn't doing enough. It means you kind of checked out and leaned out instead of leaning in. Waiting on the Lord is about serving, seeking, and submitting your heart to him. Don't crave normality. Crave the presence of the Lord and his fresh word more than your comfort. That's a good place to say amen. amen. Giant killers don't have to be ambitious because while they're waiting on the Lord, God never forgets anything. You've done so much in your life Maybe you started out on fire for God, ready to serve God at different times, only to kind of lose your fire because some distraction comes along. But God never affects or never forgets anything that you've done to serve him or to sow seed. You don't need to self-promote because God said that no labor that you've done for him is ever in vain. He never forgets. When the Spirit of the Lord comes onto your life, the right people will see it in the right time. The right people will notice in the right time. There's an it factor that came upon David, that comes upon you and me when we are anointed by God. When, when the Spirit of God comes upon us, God will set you in places where you don't have to raise your hand. He'll promote you. In due season, in due time, you're gonna reap if you don't faint. My wife and I have had more divine encounters with God's anointed than we can explain the how did we get here moments. 
the first time at a Benny Hinn healing service when all I wanted to know, God, do you want me to be a pastor? That's all I want to know today. Before I leave this room, Pastor Benny said, tell God what you need. Lift your voice up and say it out loud. I said, God, before I leave this room, I see people that need healing, but my miracle is I just need to know if you're you're on me to serve you to be a pastor one day. Because every time my insurance business was going well, I'd say, well, I think I'm supposed to just be a a giver into the kingdom. I'm just going to be a big giver. I'm going to, I love to give. So I'm going to, I'm just going to be a big giver into the church and into the body of Christ. As soon as I'd say that, it was like God would shut off my insurance business. The, 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 the flood would go to a trickle. <laughs> it's like, and then I'd try out, okay, God, whatever you want. You want me to be a pastor? I'll do that. Whatever you want me to be. I just don't know how to get from here to there. Don't have seminary training. I, I've got a family And God opened every door, every time. There were moments when when we were sitting in a meeting in California and we were invited upstairs after this meeting with Oral Roberts, a great and mighty man of God. And at this luncheon, they sat me and my wife right next to him. And just to hear the stories and to sense the, the... the anointing on a man that had been anointed by God for 60 years, 50, 60 years. There have been moments in our lives when, some of you remember when R.W. Shambach came here, another great man of God who's in heaven now. Shambach came here, I don't even know what year it was, but we packed this place to capacity. A great man of God. There were just different things, different moments. Lester Sumrall coming into our lives, different people. I'm telling you, we, we, the, the problem is in today's world, the church is so used to marketing itself with everything. And I'm not against our social media. I love it. But the social media is not the only thing. The greatest thing we need, the thing we need more than the, than the marketing is the presence of God. Because where the anointing is, it's unmistakable. God's anointing carried with integrity and respect will promote you. Let me say that again. God's anointing, his presence, his, the, the spirit of God came on David from that day forward. The anointing carried with integrity and respect for God will promote you in due time. James 3.14 says this, but if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, don't boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom, what the wisdom? Bitter envy and self-seeking? Doesn't sound like wisdom to me. That this wisdom doesn't descend from above, but is earthly sensual, and demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. You ever walked into a season of confusion? A season, listen, the Bible says God's not the author of confusion, but the author of peace. So where there's confusion, there's a reason. Sometimes it's because you're the one trying to manipulate your way, trying to navigate your own way without God's help and trying to make it happen. I'm going to make this happen. Self-promotion is a giant that wipes out potential giant killers. It's a preemptive assignment from hell where the enemy wants to get you to abort your own calling. Because now you start trusting in yourself. 
And that never ends well. When the Spirit of the Lord came upon David, the right people heard about it. One of Saul's inner circle, as we read to you in the text, saw a son of Jesse in the field, he said, quote, who is skillful in playing, a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a handsome person. And the Lord is with him. Can I tell you, when the Lord is with you, you look better than you did before. When, when the Lord is on you, you're prettier. You're more handsome. When the Lord is on you, there is something on you that people see. I, I, I don't even understand when I kind of went through this. David had not fought Goliath yet. He played the harp in the field. This guy said, I've heard this guy's reputation, this young David. He's a man of courage. How's he a young man of courage? He's a man of war. How's he a man of war? We don't, we don't know that yet. This guy is basically prophesying what David's going to be by what he heard in the rumor mill. I want you to know, your heavenly father is the best public relations man you could ever have. I know the Bible says the Lord is my shepherd, but I'm going to say the Lord is my agent. That's why he gets 10%. Think about it. The Lord is my agent I shall not want. If you let God be your agent, he'll put you into all the platforms you can handle for your business, your destiny, your calling, Finally, this, and my last point, and I've got some time on this because I want to really give this to you. This is one of my life messages. Giant killers know how to access and activate the anointing. They know how to access what God has already given, what Jesus has already made available, and activate it. Specifically, they understand their own anointing, how God works uniquely through them. That's what giant killers do. When David goes out to fight Goliath, Saul, the king, gives him his armor and his sword and all that stuff. And, and David, he, he puts it on and he can't even walk. He said, I can't even walk in this. It doesn't fit me. I got to do it the way that I know that God works through me. This is not a show. This is something real. He said, I know that God already helped me defeat a lion and a bear. They were the giants trying to kill my father's sheep, literal sheep. I know God can do this. My friends, Jesus paid the ultimate price to allow you to access his power, but there is still a human price to pay. Luke 9, 23, Jesus said to all of them, those who want to come with me must say no to the things they want pick up their crosses every day and follow me. You may know that as deny themselves. Take up your cross. When your will and God's will cross, when your will and God's will come into conflict, when you choose not my will, not my timing, not my deal, but your will be done, you're beginning to access the power of God. The ways of the Holy Spirit, Jesus likened to the flow of the Holy Spirit to like a spiritual river. In John 3, 8, Jesus compared the movement of the Holy Spirit to the wind or the breath of God. 
He said, the wind blows where it wills. I submit to you today, we know more about how to harness the wind than we ever have. We know more in, in weather and astronomy and meteorology today about wind currents and the way they flow. Psalm 103 verse 7 says this, God made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. The crowd gets to know God's acts. An individual leaning into God gets to know his ways. The ways of the Holy Spirit, the ways of the movement of God. Worship and praise are the vehicle through which the anointing travels. God honoring music gives you access. The spirit of faith then activates what you've accessed. The very first thing that positioned young David for promotion was his reputation for good character, integrity, bravery, and his musical ability as a psalmist. The king said, I'm vexed here. I, am, I can't sleep. I've got all this. And they said, it's a, it's a demonic spirit. It's an evil force because God's hand is off of you. I know the scripture there says the Lord, the Lord sent this distressing spirit, but I'm telling you, God doesn't send demons. Demons send themselves. Demons go every time they have permission and as God's hand comes off, forces of hell have permission to enter. And yet somebody around King Saul, his, his wise men said, hey, we know the way this thing works, O king. Maybe we can find a psalmist, someone who can, can worship God and bring the presence of God so that, that, so that that demonic spirit will be neutralized, will be quiet, will not have the power to vex you. And so they said, well, who can it be? And that's exactly what David was promoted for. He was brought into this thing, not just because he looked good, but because he had an anointing on his life that they recognized to do music, God-honoring music that would bring the presence of God. This is before Goliath, you know. David once wrote Psalm 32, 7, you shall surround me, God, with songs of deliverance. What's a song of deliverance? It's a song that brings an atmosphere that forces that devil to rise up and get out of you. That binds their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron. David understood that the Spirit of God would respond to his declarations of praise as he lived it out in the palace of King Saul. That demon force was powerless in the presence of God. David made worship and praise his lifestyle. He carried it through his life. And worship and praise needs to be our lifestyle too. Not just something we do at church. Not just even just singing a song, but accessing the power of God. Psalm 119 verse 164 from the message says this. The psalmist writes, seven times each day I stop and shout praises for the way you keep everything running right. I love the way the message puts that. Seven times a day. It doesn't mean just seven. Oh, here's one, here's two, here's three. Seven is God's perfect number. He says, he says every day I never forget that you're the one that's making things run right in my life, God. And I stop to praise you and to honor you and to worship you because you're my God. 
The moment later on in life that David returned the Ark of the Covenant into the tabernacle of God that was lost under King Saul, he established a new order of worship and praise unto the Lord. Immediately, he gets back and he creates this tabernacle, this tent that Moses had set up, but he changes and shifts it and he puts in worshipers. First, King, First Chronicles 16, 37 says this, So David left Asaph, a psalmist, and his brothers there before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, to minister before the ark regularly as every day's work required. David said, the more strenuous the work we need to do in our jobs, in our battles, in our daily fight, the more praise and worship we're going to put in the house of God because that becomes the engine that empowers us to do what we want to do. Too many people sit around and complain about everything going on in their lives and all they tell you is facts. Here's, my, here's the facts and here's the feelings. But God says, by faith, begin to declare who I am and what I can do and what are the possibilities with me and through me. Are you getting anything today? Much of that chapter, 1 Chronicles 16, I'd love for you to read it sometime. Much of the chapter describes the role of each musician in detail. What they played, what they sang, what they did, and how that was something that he put into the whole kingdom, not just for that week or that month or that year, but for the rest of his kingdom. And his son Solomon did the same. Generations later, Revelation was still in God's people. There's a moment where Elisha, is called upon as King Joram from Israel and King Jehoshaphat are thinking about going into battle together. King of Israel, King of Judah were split. The kingdom, these are great, 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 great grandsons of David. And, they, and the kingdom is divided at that time. And they, they're thinking about going into battle together in 2 Kings. And Jehoshaphat said, wait a second. I'm not going without the word of the Lord. I'm not going unless God says he's going to lead us and gives us the strategy. Let's find a prophet. Let's find a prophet. He said, I, I know Elisha is around here somewhere. And Joram says, oh, don't get Elisha. He hates me. So he said, don't get, don't get Elisha. He said, I'm going to get him. So Jehoshaphat come, uh, I mean, uh, uh, Elisha comes to King Jehoshaphat, King Joram. And they said, look, we want you to prophesy. Look what he says. 2 Kings 3.15 from the message says, but considering what they requested, he said, bring me a minstrel. For when a minstrel played, the power of God came on Elisha. He understood, listen, he had to bring in this musician who had to come maybe a long distance. He came in riding on a minstrel cycle. And... Sorry, we'll move on from that one quickly. He came in and the power of God came on Elisha. He knew right away that the way his gift worked he says, I can't come. I can't move in. You want me to prophesy on demand? I can't just summons that up right now. I need an atmosphere. I'm telling you, God has an atmosphere that he wants to move in your life. God has an atmosphere that he wants to move around you in your life. 
Is your, is your home filled with confusion? Is your home filled with chaos? Why not get some worship music on there? Why not turn off some of the junk you've been listening to and put on something that God has anointed to empower you, to bring a refreshing to your home? Declare the power of Jesus' sinless blood over that place. Jehoshaphat remembered this revelation. He seemed to catch it as well because he's the king that in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 was in deep trouble when three invading armies were set to ambush the children of Israel and he felt like this was going to be the end of Israel. They were going to be annihilated. Here he was, the king, and he gathers the troops and the Bible says he declared a sacred assembly. He gathered people together in repentance. And then he set the musicians in place like his great, 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 great grandfather David did. And as they began to minister before the Lord, the word of the Lord came and one of the psalmists stepped up and said, listen, God says you won't need to fight in this battle. He's got a strategy for you. Send in the praisers first. Send in the worshipers. The worship comes first. The praise goes first. And by the time they went in there and started to declare this simple song, for he is good. That's, this is the whole thing they sing. For he is good. And his mercy endures forever. And as they marched in singing, for he is good. And his mercy endures forever. Power of God moved so strongly that the enemies all got confused and began to fight each other. By the time Judah arrived, by the time King Jehoshaphat and the whole tribe of Judah arrived on the scene, when they got there, the enemy had destroyed themselves, and all Judah had to do Judah, which means praise, by the way, the tribe of praise, the only thing they had to do was show up and collect the spoils of war, collect all the weaponry, collect all the gold, the silver, all the clothing. They, they just started collecting stuff. They didn't even have to fight. Prophetic psalmist released the word of the Lord. My friends, praise always goes first. Say it with me. Praise always goes first. By the time that army moved in there, the ambush was over. When our God is lifted up, the devil's plans fall down. A couple more things and I'm done. Different keys in music. How many musicians in the room? How many of you at least took piano lessons or know a little bit about something or play an instrument or you were a singer or something? Maybe you sang in chorus in school, something like that. A bunch of you. There are different keys, like minor keys, chords and progressions, lyrics, Phrases, rhythms, beats, and instruments that trigger certain flows of the Holy Spirit. Speaking about Pastor Benny Hinn earlier, if you've ever seen or been to one of his healing services, he always sings, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. We were there for three and a half years, and we would, we would sing it every time when he would sense the Spirit of God moving in healing. That was the way Catherine Kuhlman moved. That's the way he experienced God in that in the 70s. And he was doing that all the way up to the last time when he was here a few years ago. That hallelujah is he understands that there's a flow where God, where he can sense God's presence come on him for clarity, for healing, for miracles. I submit to you that you have a song too, or songs. 
that'll stir up the gift of God that is within you, that'll activate your anointing. Now, I want to say this to you. I'm not against secular music. I, I listen to 80s music sometimes and different types of music. I like almost every kind of music that there is. But you better know what kind of pull certain songs and certain music have on your soul. You better know. Because some can set you into depression. Some songs can bring up past loves, past hurts, lusts or addictions. You have to know. So what's the takeaway for today? You have the access to the anointed power of God right now. You have access to God in your life right now. Today, you have access. Now what you do with that access and what you do to activate. Listen, the Bible says, stir up the gift of God that it was in you through the laying on of my hands. Stir up the gifts of the Spirit. Stir up the flow of God in you. Jesus said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Of this he spoke of the Holy Spirit. I want you to know something may be blocking you right now, but the Spirit of God, anointed music, when you tap into God and you're leaning into God and you find a song that stirs up something inside of your spirit, it can bring a shift. If you find yourself going around those same old patterns of the past, maybe it's because you're just playing music from the past. And that's something that activates the flow of God for you right now. You have access. I'll finish with this, my second closing. The prophet Amos prophesied in Amos chapter 9, verse 11. And he described a time when there would be chaos in Israel, that goes for not just natural Israel, but spiritual Israel, the church. And he described a time when things would be out of whack and scary and frightening and seemingly out of control. And he says this, on that day, everybody say on that day. On that day, God says, I will raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down and repair its damages. I'll raise up its ruins and I'll rebuild it in the days of old. The next verse says that they may possess the remnant of Edom and the Gentiles of the land, the unsaved, the lost. The word possess there is a Hebrew word that means, it's, it's called yaresh. Pastor Lindsay teaches on yaresh. Yaresh means to occupy a certain space by driving out the previous tenants. The tabernacle of David occupies space and drives out the darkness. God wants to do something in your life. Some of you are waiting on God to do something more than he's done. And I'm telling you, he's waiting on you to begin to lean into him, to worship him in spirit and in truth. The Father is seeking for such to worship him. There's been more worship and praise music written recorded, sung in the last 30 years than all previous history combined of thousands of years. Think about that. Why? Because we need it. We need it. Because we need Him. Fill your heart with God's songs. My third close. Ephesians 5.18, listen to this. 
And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation or which is excess or just kind of making yourself feel good for a minute. But be filled with the Spirit. How? Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. My friends, how do you get filled fresh with the Holy Spirit when you've already been baptized in the Holy Spirit? You begin to worship Him. You get beyond your stuff and you start lifting Him up. And you sing, holy, holy, holy. That's a great song. Holy Lord. Close your eyes for a moment. God of power and might, heaven and earth are filled with your glory. Will you just lift your hands up right where you are? I just love your presence, Lord. We need it. Come on, sing Hosanna. That's one of those words that does something in my spirit. into Jerusalem in triumph. It evoked a response in your spirit of jealousy for your house where you went over and turned the tables over in your house and said, my house shall not be a den of thieves, but it shall be a house of prayer, a house of prayer for all the nations. Holy Spirit, would you let us be a house of prayer? Would you let us be a house of praise? Lord, in your presence, we find the fullness of joy. And we know that the joy of the Lord is our strength. The greatest miracle beyond God's touch in this moment, the greatest miracle is that someone can come into a place dead spiritually, dead in their own sin. and can be raised up, resurrected into new life. Before we leave this place, I don't know the miracle that you need. I don't know what you need God to do, but I know this. He's able to do it. He just wants to be loved and appreciated. He loves you so much that He gave His Son, Jesus, to die for you on a cross that you would accept Him, that you receive the gift of salvation. 
not just with a change of religion, but with a change of heart. If you're here today, or maybe you're connecting with us online somewhere in the world, or somewhere in our own community, somewhere in our region, Gainesville, Ocala, the villages, wherever you are, God can do anything in this presence. Would you open your heart to Him? Would you surrender to His will? That's the greatest miracle. I'm going to ask you right now, if that's you, if God is speaking to your heart, leading you, dealing with you about your passivity, your fears, and you say, yes, I want Jesus in my life in a brand new way, would you just lift your hand up right where you are, whether you're in the room or whether you're at home, whether, wherever you are, lift your hand up and be honest about it. Father, reveal Jesus to every person whose hand is raised, whose heart is open, and bring about that transformation moment. Lord, we ask you to forgive us of our sin. Wash us with your blood. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Online, right here in the room, if your hand was raised, your heart was open. Pastor Chris is around after church. We're around any of us, any of the ushers can get you to us. We want to minister to you. You need help. You have questions. You need a Bible. We have a free Bible. We just want to help you on your journey. This place isn't about finding perfect people. We're not about finding religious people. We're about finding real people that are just hungry for more of God. Amen. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you.